When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Invincible Season 2, Episode 3, Dismissive, This Machination is over. But we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. I'm one of your hosts, the Talking Titan, a.k.a. J- AKA Jason Reed. And with me, as always, is my co-host, the Gift of Gap herself, Gia Worthy. Gia, how are you doing this fine day, evening, night, whatever you folks are listening to this. Uh, how's it going? Oh my god, it is going well. Um, I don't know if I can rest with uh, thinking about like with everything that went on in this episode. Like, how am I supposed to go about my day to day life? Um, they did my man Alan the alien dirty here. Yeah, I was gonna like, say no matter how you're doing, I think most of us are doing better than Alan the alien right now. Um, yes. Sheesh, uh, that was that was quite something. Now, going into this episode and, and seeing like half the episode, I was like, this seems like another kind of trudge through the grief of Omni-Man. It's like another kind of boring episode, but then it got interesting. Um, so it definitely, it also ended on a very interesting high note. Uh, we will get into all that. Um, but yeah, I think I think a good step up in this season too, uh, where, where I thought the first two episodes were kind of like, really place setting for all of our characters mm-hmm. and just kind of getting them into spots. We're starting to get into the action now. So I appreciate that about it. Yeah. And I feel like this is the same thing that happened in the first season. So I feel like I really shouldn't be like too shocked that this is the flow that they're going with, but things really picked up here. Um, that it, I wasn't really sure where they were going because it starts with Mark getting like going to college like he's at college now they're in their first that's probably like the first I want to say like five six minutes of the episode then we go into a completely different direction with Alan the alien R.I.P. King and only to then go like back into like these other worlds halfway through this episode. So it there was just a lot. You could not look away from this episode because you're probably missing some important information. Yeah, we talked a lot last episode about how many subplots we were juggling. Um, this episode was a little less. I think last episode was like six or eight. This this episode, we got about four plots that we were juggling and dealing with. So I thought that was a little more palatable for me and not too much of a, you know, a whiplash of looking back and forth and back and forth. Um, the the only alien stuff was almost wholly uninterrupted, which I appreciated because um, I don't I don't really love going back and forth so much. Um, so this was I, I could take a little better than last episode where we had so much going on for for real. And it just felt like they want us to get to know everybody that is going to be involved in this season. And then we still get more people in this episode yeah. that are going to be involved in this season. So it's just I don't know if this is something that can necessarily be fixed for what Invincible is as a show. But like it it does feel a little bit like an overwhelming info dump in a lot of places. I will say, unlike the other episodes this season, I mean, there only been two others, but this one left me in a place where I was like, oh, I need to see the next episode, yes! the next episode. Um, so that's something to look forward to, some anticipation in our lives of, of Invincible. Um, but let's uh, let's jump into the episode. Uh, as you mentioned, the episode kind of starts with Mark being dropped off at college by Debbie. Uh, so it seems we, you know, because last we left our heroes, it was summer, just started summer vacation. So it looked like we may have time jumped to two or three months or so. Um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of the typical scene, you know, the child is dropped off at college. Mom is having a tough time letting go. She says it'll be a fresh start for him to figure out who he is besides Invincible. 
Uh, they have a fun line. Don't do drugs. Like, does, would drugs <laughs> work on me? <laughs> we're, we're not really sure. It, you know, I, drugs might, but the, the problem is drug, ugh, drugs might work on him and he might like go into a superhero rage or something. So that would be a problem. I feel like he needs to start small. Like, you know, like take a puff of something yeah. from a close friend. Where does Mark live? Like what city is he in now? Or what city does he live in normally? Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a like a factual city, like a real life city or okay. like a made up cities. I don't, I don't know if he ever yeah. really caught the city that he lives in. Yes. Yeah, so, like, I mean, there's a chance that marijuana is uh, legal in whatever state he is in currently. I am not confident. Um, no. It is legal in the state that I live in. So I would just say, like, start small. Because if he goes like right into Coke, I just feel like that is a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. You know, I've never yeah, done Coke, but I just imagine it won't end well. We might have another Chicago on his hands. Like, I know, not another guys, Chicago. I will be, I will be, I will be taking over now. Um, so you know who who knows? So yeah, like you said, take a little puff of something, see what it does, see how it makes you feel, um, and then go from there. Maybe but, maybe stay away from the hard stuff. Yeah, don't eat a brownie and then be like, this isn't working, and then eat another brownie, Mark, because that's where it gets you. It's all about moderation, you know? Yes, exactly. Take a bite and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to kind of take this into like into plot by plot. So we're going to stick with Mark here. Uh, Mark and William, luckily, you know, I, I guess they probably set up like this. Get the get uh, dorm room together. So Mark is with his buddy William. Um, you know, Mark kind of... William kind of jokes with Mark, like, yes, all this childish stuff here. Like, what you're supposed to be a grown man now. What's going on? Uh, I like the the comparison. I, I need William to come and be like my interior designer because yes. he had his he had his stuff on lock and ready while Mark was your kind of typical uh teenage kid, messy. Uh I mean, I mean, typical even for 30-something year olds, because I'm pretty much just as messy as Mark, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but we get we then get a you know a scene of some it's like someone's like, Hey, is this box I hear you guys and stuff? And there's a box of, as Mark would term them, collectibles. William calls them toys. Um, Mark picks him up. He sees all the people around him. I don't know, being adults, I guess, talking, conversating, and he's like, you know what? Time for me to get rid of my childish things, and throws his stuff in the dumpster. Okay, but I have several. I have several issues with this. First of all, I do believe Mark was right, and those are collectibles. Like, yes, hundred percent. You know, they're not toys unless you play with them. Like nothing, nothing wrong with. In is he eighteen now? Almost eighteen. Uh, yeah, I would assume he's about yeah. eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. So if he's eighteen, totally fine. Like if he wants to be an eighteen-year-old and play with his collectibles, play with his toys, that is fine. But for until he plays with them, those are collectibles. And also, like you could have just left them at your mom's house. Like these are not even a thing that had to be brought to campus. If you were going to be so embarrassed by them and also Mark, just grow a pair. It's fine. People bring weirder stuff to college. Yeah. And as a uh, 30 something year old himself, who likes to display some of his (laughs) collectibles from a nostalgic age. I was like, Mark, what are you doing? Just, just set them up on like a shelf Uh, or something. Make them look nice. But no, you want to throw them away at the very least, Mark. Donate them to children's hospital or something. Sell them, donate them, something. Don't just throw them in the trash. Your suggestion was much nicer than mine. (laughs) A little more charitable, but it's okay. I also would have sold them. Uh, Yeah, like if they're worth, you don't know, they could be worth something. And if not, donate them. But like, I mean, not that Mark needs the money, but, you know, like those student loans are going to hit eventually and you're going to wish that you sold them. Yeah. But um, oh my god, you need to see my dad's. He my dad is the same way. He has like he's a very big sports guy. So he has like the that you know, they look like G.I. Joe like army dolls, but they're all uh famous athletes through the years and like mint condition in the box, all of it. Yep. Uh some of them out of the box. But yeah, like there is a difference and we need to normalize collectibles as a hobby for everyone, but especially for men. Like, let men have nice things too. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, we need nice ju- things. Yeah, like you can't just say men can't have any fun or have collectibles like displayed in a kind, like very neat manner, and not expect the world to go to shit. Like, let men have hobbies. 
please. Yes. Let us let us live in our childhoods a little bit. Like give us yes. a break. The world, the world is tough. We need some reminders yes. of our, of the good old days. Yes. Um, there, there may or may not be a box of my old toys in my mom's house that I cannot ever, you know, actually. Oh my god. Yes. With. Yes. So yeah. So let, let him live a little bit. Exactly. Uh, but he does. He does save Seance Dog, which is, uh, you know, a a cherished, I guess, childhood property uh, of Mark's. Uh, he does. He does save Seance Dog, one of the figures. Um, so he comes back into the dorm and, you know, Mark and William have come up with this, with the tried and true sock on the door trick. Um, so Mark comes back and he sees the socks on the doors. He's like, oh, great. Mar uh, William must be hooking up with uh, with that guy who came by the dorm room. So he goes to talk to Amber. He's he's kind of bummed um, about William seemingly blowing him off. And Amber's like, well, you know, we could do the same thing. We are we are, we are in this dorm room by ourselves. Uh, we could we could do the damn thing. Uh, so, you know, Mark's like, um, Perfect solution. yeah, Mark's like, sure, I guess. Yeah. Obviously he's very, uh, very, you know, I, I honestly would have thought that they had already gone to this. I also presumed that I did not know that this was like a big event now. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, I, I support young love being allowed to express themselves in that way. Um, however, I th also thought they had already done it. So yeah. this was this was the, one of the more shocking things of the episode, except for the shocking thing of the episode. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, Amber, she asked all the right questions. Do you have super sperm? Are you going to accidentally <laughs> crush me? Uh, you know, I guess these are things that uh, Nolan, a.k.a. Omni-Man, did not get around teaching to Mark uh, when, tra when training him into superheroisms. Because <laughs> uh, Mark doesn't know. He's like, I, I guess we'll just see. And Amber is like, okay. Perfect solution. Yeah, we'll just take it slow at first. Uh, Amber volunteers to get on top first to see how that goes. Uh, so everything seems to be getting, you know, down and dirty. Inside the episode, is that's when we go, oh, uh, I guess we'll come back to to Mark, and we we transition to another plot. But we're going to keep going with the with the the Mark stuff here. Uh, Mark eventually does come back to the dorm room. Uh, he meets back up with William, who seem, who for some reason just knows that Mark has had sex with Amber. He's like, "You had sex with Amber?" Like, I, I, how did oh, you yeah. know? I hope it wasn't like some sort of I don't know smell or something. He's like, "Hey, I smell." Oh no, I smell it's sex a right it's a facial expression. There's just like a a face of content, like yeah. Of like, you are satisfied with just how your life is going current, like the current trajectory of your life. That You've had makes, a life changing experience. Yes, that is just like that happened. I am a new person now. Life is good. Life is not so bad. Yeah. And William picked William picked up on he he knew he knew he knows the look, and uh, and he, he we he was very open last season about uh his uh rendezvous at camp so and how that was life changing so william is a man that knows yes he he can, he can tell the face um mm -hmm. something interesting that does get, kind of get brought up here is that you know mark thought that william was also entertaining but william says no i i can't really seem to get myself to really go there with anyone after rick and we do kind of a little update on Rick, who, for those who don't remember the first season, was William's kind of fling that he went to go visit at college that, through many different things, got turned into a semi-cyborg. Um, so we do get an update about, you know, Rick's doing well. He can seemingly go home uh, pretty soon. I mean, it's been about a year since all that stuff went down. So it's been a while that Rick's been on the mend. Um, but, you know, apparently Rick is on his way back to outside society which I, I found interesting that we got a little nice update about that and that things still don't seem to be fully resolved between william and mark in that way okay first of all i do not believe a word that cecil says until we see rick in the flesh and even then i need to test we need a like a little knife to, on the finger or something mm -hmm. like that to check to double to triple check to see that this is this is the same person that we left with him um, because I do not believe him. But also, yeah. like, until we see a person and have that test checked out, I do not buy that, like, Rick is actually okay. I feel like this is going to be a plot point that is coming up at some point. I would like him to be okay. We shall see. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know how you recover from that. Yeah, you that's know? pretty like, traumatic. Didn't he get his brain ripped? 
Yeah, he got his brain ripped out. Like, yeah, I mean, he got his right? he, pretty much. He got his emotions shut down. Like, he he's not able yeah. to really emote the same way anymore. I just wouldn't be surprised if we see Rick, and he is obviously probably working for Cecil, going to be one yes. of Cecil's soldiers, which will be interesting to see. So, yeah, I do think with the mention of Rick, that we'll probably see him pop up um, yeah. sooner rather than later. I think. Um, yeah. And then, uh, but on your other point there, I do feel like, obviously, this is, like, a hard thing to um, to overcome here. Like, this is especially between, like, the friendship. So, I think because, like, this was brought up again, this will probably be something that is, like, a point of conflict at some point. But also, like, yeah, Mark messed up there. But then him messing up in that time led William to push him to mess up another time in a different way another time so like maybe don't compare apples to oranges William I love William but like slow your roll here yeah William um so William and Marker you know are in the middle of this conversation there's a knock on the door William, William goes to get it and the face of William I, I didn't know who was uh, the other end of that door when William opened the door like like oh I was like, oh, what is what is going on here? Is it Debbie? Is it someone else? Uh, but no, it's friggin' Seance Dog. Uh, childhood property come to life. Um, for for me, this would probably be the like the uh the comparison of me and like that would have been like the Green Ranger on the other side of the door from Power Rangers. Like, hey, Jason, how's it going? Like, oh my god, Tommy, how are you? Could the the Green Ranger would be able to persuade you to uh, fly into space to save a species that you've never met. A hundred percent, for sure. Yeah. If he like called the Dragon Zord down and was like, "Come on, let's take a ride on my Zord to go save a civilization," I'd be like, "I'm down. Let's go." I'd have to think about it. I feel like, hmm. What, what's your seance dog? I don't know. I mean, I watched a lot of TV as a kid, like a lot of like cartoons and stuff like that. Honestly, I feel like like Cosmo and Wanda could probably mm-hmm. get me to go Jeff, into Jeff space. Probst. Jeff Probst. Jeff maybe? Probst. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Probst in his cowboy hat era could get me to <laughs> go to save, to go to save a uh, come, t- uh, come take a ride on my jet ski. Gia. Yeah. I think uh, Earl Cole or yeah. uh, Sandra Diaz Twine could probably convince me to do that. I think Sandra would just like drag me there, though. I don't think I like I I would go. She would just say like go, and I say sure. Yeah, Parvy uh, Shallow showed up on my door and like, come on, let's go. I'd be like, okay, let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wherever you want to like, go, you got it done. Yeah. <laughs> um but mark mark is not buying this mark is not buying this is seance dog he's like this is pretty impossible uh who the hell are you seance dog is is trying to really sell this no i am seance dog i'm a talking dog you guys don't have that here it's like no we just have regular (laughs) dogs here he's like oh i am but mark mark is just not mark's not having it and there were there were moments there were shades here of mark where a little bit of omni man is shining through and mark is like tell me who you are now you have one last chance like oh mark you're getting serious hold on yeah i mean like with everything that has happened in the past year to this poor boy um i can understand i don't think i would trust anybody like at all and it so yeah a flying dog does seem very much out of the realm of possibility mm-hmm. So I can understand his hesitation, but also I don't know what the, I understand what the aliens said for his reasoning for it. Like, yeah, yeah, I, um, I wanted to take a form that was like more comfortable to you and everything, but like, why? Like Mark has seen (laughs) way worse stuff. I'm sure like a alien bug is kind of the least of his worries in terms of like things to be afraid of. Right. So yeah, like you said, they they do end up get you know figuring things out. Nualzat is the bug's name. He says, "Listen, I was sent here to Earth from Thraxa to find you. We need help on our planet. We've got meteor showers destroying our planet. We need you to come save our our people. We need you desperately." Mark's like, ah, "I wish I could, but I got a lot going on here. I'm in school, so I think I'm just gonna have to turn this one down." But William pops him out of nowhere and says, "Mark, no, you have to help." Um, he's Mark says, William says, I'll cover you in all your classes. You have to go because the last time you didn't want to help, we both ended up regretting it. Uh, you know, referencing the the Rick of it all. Uh, because at that moment, Mark was too uh, in his own feelings about Amber to go help Rick, and that's how Rick kind of got 
the way he is. So William kind of almost guilts Mark into be like, no, you have to help the aliens. So Mark's like, all he right. Does, he does. Let's call it what it is. He yeah. does guilt Mark into, into helping this species. But again, apples and oranges. I'm not saying that, like, we should listen to every alien species that comes down. And, like, I'm not saying Cecil, of all people, is, like, the end-all, be-all of morality because he was very against this idea. Mm-hmm. But... He was right here, so yeah, he ends up know. being right. Yeah, um, Mark, it pains Mark, me to say it. Yeah, Mark, you know, does agree to go, and on his way, he's telling Cecil, "Like, listen, I'll I'll be gone for a few weeks, a month tops." I'm like, "Damn, you expect to be gone that long?" Uh, but Cecil pretty much orders him not to go, and Mark, you know, for you know, I think kind of surprisingly, he's like, "Listen, I have to listen to myself before I listen to you," and ditches his Cecil earpiece, which really pisses Cecil off because this is a, a form of Mark breaking out of Cecil's control, which is what Cecil has been worried about this whole time. Mark possibly becoming more and more like Omni Man and less and less in Cecil's kind of sphere of control. Yeah, I think it's so complicated because i understand the fear right of Mm -hmm. like i don't want this to be like he has all of the same powers and capabilities of hurting a lot of people as omni-man so that and like so i totally get that but like it really isn't fair for someone especially because he like put his whole life on the line to try to stop omni-man the first time and it's just like it, it's really hard especially when it's like it's so difficult for us to really pin down like where Cecil is at a lot of the time just like does he actually care for Mark or is he more worried about the control aspect or is it like a little bit of both I want to believe it's a little bit of both yeah but I think there's like a I, little itty bitty space in Cecil's yeah. soul for Mark but the bigger piece of, C- of Cecil's soul is about protecting the earth and making yes. sure that Mark doesn't go off the deep end yeah exactly but I, and they say that like his safety is the first is like first priority but we know that's not true so it's just there's so many questions that I still have answered and I have an idea about like where they are going to fall but in this show everything's possible so I could be very very wrong about that yeah um before Mark takes off, he he makes sure to check in with Amber. He says, listen, I, I got to go to space again. My bad. Sorry. Amber, to her credit, says, you don't have to apologize to me for, for uh, to me about saving lives. Go ahead and go. <laughs> Mark gets her, to t- gets her to tell his mom all about this. I would, I'd be like, um, actually, I think you should probably call your mom. I don't want to, I don't want to be left with that duty yeah. at all. Um, at least she William has known her longer at least make right. well, since he was so adamant about me going in the first place have him tell your mom yeah you're emotionally unstable very traumatized mother and you can literally take two seconds and call your mom and just tell yeah. her you be gone but exactly. I think Mark also doesn't want to no. go into that right now because I, things seem a little strange between him and Debbie so he's like eh, I'll have someone else do it I gotta worry about saving these species of aliens whatever nice nice excuse Mark whatever um, you know he does tell Amber right before he, he leaves that he loves her but we're not sure if she heard it because the line went dead because uh, I guess they're going outside of reception in space or whatever um so we find out it's going to take six days to get to Thraxa, but we have kind of sped past those six days because Mark eventually gets to Thraxa. They arrive. Uh, you know, Nualzat is, you know, showing him around. The planet seems pretty peaceful, not the <laughs> chaotic uh, death spiral that Mark was kind of sold here about meteor showers and whatnot. So Mark's like, what's up with that? I like Nualzat. He's like, oh, um, yeah, I don't know. I I must be having dementia or something because I I don't know. I, I don't know. I'll just I'll just have the monarch explain it to you. Yeah, that's okay. First of all, that lie was terrible. <laughs> and the second I see that there is no danger of a meteor, like Mark, you gotta get out of there. Like, yeah, I'm like that is the first sign that things are not going to end well for you. Yeah, something something's amiss here. Uh, so we you know we get introduced to the monarch. We see a shadow. And that's what I was like, uh-oh, is this, could it be, could it be him? Uh, and yes, uh, it was Omni-Man. Oh, I, my God. Uh, 
I hate him so much. I still hate him. I'm don't. It's so aggravating that you know. I really thought we were gonna get like a full season break from Omni Man, um, or like he was gonna come back at like the very tail end of season two, um, like episode seven or eight. And I'm just kind of bummed we got him so early. No, I'm very happy that J.K. Simmons has a job and like Mm -hmm. they kept them booked and busy, but. I am very upset about Omni Man. I just do not like this man. Yeah, Jacked J. Jonah Jameson is back. He says, uh, hello, son. It's been a while. And the episode proper goes off at that moment. It's like, oh my gosh, what is what Terrible. is this? I like you said, I did not expect to see Omni Man this soon. I, I would have bet my money that it was gonna be the last scene of the season that Omni Man comes back. Uh, because we it seemed that we had so much else to deal with this season. Yeah, no, it looks like it looks like Audi Man is back here in season in episode three. Uh, so going to be very interesting to see how that turns yeah. out. Um, but we did have other s- stories going on this episode. Um, when Amber and Mark started getting busy, we were diverted to another plot. We're like, oh, okay, Mark seems busy. Let's uh, let's go check on check it on someone else. And I did chuckle you- about how they like how they actually made that transition. Yeah, I love the narrator. Yes. <laughs> you know, he's like, let's let's uh, let's move on to something else, shall we? <laughs> um, but yes, we do get to check in with our friend, our old buddy, Alan the Alien. Um, uh, so you know, we kind of got we kind of got a whole story arc for Alan the Alien here. We got we got to be introduced to his origin story, um, uh, and possibly <laughs> his ending story. Um, but uh, more on that later. Uh... <laughs> So we get introduced to Al- to Alan. He says we we come to we go to a world where there uh, an alien world uh, called Unopa. Um, all is good, very peaceful, very nice society. But wouldn't you know it? Those freaking Viltrumites struck. They destroyed the world, subjugated the community. Um, the 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 Unopians tried to fight back, but it di- wasn't working out. The Viltrumites are just too much to handle. But some of the Unopians were able to escape on spacecrafts and start to rebuild their population at different outposts. A lot of a uh, lot of banging going on, a lot of birthing going on, trying to restock the coffers, if you will. Um, so, Thetis, the leader of Coalition of Planets, gets a gets a gist of what's happening with the Unopians and invites them to join in the Coalition of Planets uh, to help with the fight against the the Viltrumites. Um, the the Unopans are trying to breed the ultimate weapon um, to defeat the Viltrumites. They try and try and try again, but they eventually get to Alan. They find their weapon. Alan is their champion. Alan is their hero until he goes up against a Viltrumite and gets his butt kicked. Um, at that point, they're, he's he's you know this is a kind of a parallel to Captain America in a way. He is their super soldier. He is their 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 fighting weapon. Their their greatest hero but even our greatest hero has people he cannot beat and he still can't be the viltrumite so they kind of shut down that whole program like we just we just can't do it guys they don't try to build on alan they're just like yeah i guess it's not gonna work oh my god this was this was a lot this felt like very how do i say it not necessarily out of nowhere because i was really excited at the prospect that we were getting like an Alan's episode like mm-hmm. something where he was largely the focus of I should have known better but um it just felt very out of nowhere especially because like I was really looking forward to this idea of Mark getting to meet the rest of this coalition um mm-hmm. that is uh warring or uh, like trying to rebel against the Veltramites and uh, it just went into and i have faith in the show that i'm going to get my questions answered about this specific plot point but alan was really the connection to between mark and this coalition and i just don't really know where we go from here or like what is what was kind of the point of all of this at this point in the show when we have so many other things about this coalition that have not been answered or like what is Mark's part going to be in it? Um, So it just felt very much like a downer in that area. And I was actually very excited for this part of the episode. 
Yeah, so we, we do get we do get a little more about Alan. He's uh you know because he failed at beating the Viltrumite, he got kind of put in charge. He got he got the job of evaluation officer to find other heroes on other planets that will hopefully be able to fight the Viltrumites. Um, you know through we, we get to we got to see earlier in the uh, in the season one how he kind of stumbled upon Mark because he accidentally went to the wrong planet, but it turned out to be a good thing. <laughs> Um, I did like how you know they uh, still give him shit for that. Yes, for sure. Yes. <laughs> but but then they introduce him. They sometimes to change the entire universe. You have to be, and instead of the invincible card, we get an Alan the Alien card, which was an interesting way to kind of shake things up a little bit because we didn't even we didn't get an invincible card at all. Um, we got it. Mark wasn't the 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 focal point of this episode. It seemed to be Alan the Alien. He got his own he got his own title card, which was nice. Uh, but we do see Alan. I think this is probably the point where Alan comes back from his meeting with Mark and he brings back all the information about Mark. He tells the whole council, the coalition about Mark and about how, you know, they, he found this Viltrumite that left his post. You know, Omni Man got into a fight with Mark and he bounced. He, he's out, which has never been heard of before, had never been done. Um, so the council is like, okay, this actually, this might be something. We might have something here. We might have a way to, you know, defeat the Viltrumites, at least try and fight the Viltrumites. Um, so Alan, apparently, you know, job well done to Alan. He found us a, a hero. Thetis comes to talk to Alan alone. He says, listen, we had this planet, Acreon, joined up the Coalition, but then right after they joined up, they got destroyed by the Viltrumites. So I think there might be a mole in the system. And he wants Alan to investigate and figure out who the mole is. Alan's very excited about this duty. He goes home, and I mean, just the cutest little pet ever, Vorg, a yes! Cyclops cat, is is Alan's pet. Vorg. Yes, and he got his own little segment, like after yeah. you know, while well, Alan was busy, and yeah. they just we learned more about this little cat. I love him. Yeah. So Alan, Alan meets up with Telia, who uh, apparently is 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 his girlfriend, also a general, uh, in the in the coalition so i mean maybe a little fraternizing here a little bit they i they, ship it it's cute yeah it, we're we're here for it as uh as short as it may last um they they start uh getting down to business <laughs> and i love the narrator he's like oh goodness tentacles uh let's <laughs> let's move on <laughs> and this the the uh the zoom in on on borg he's like uh because yes. because it's funny how they do this because he's like okay well uh alan's getting busy let's check back in with mark as an amber and they, they're probably studying or something right and like nope they're still banging too let's yeah. uh, let's go oh it's, it's borg it's a it's yes. a cat look at him he's got one eye <laughs> so good so funny do we know who d was the narrator for this because we normally was it the same <sighs> person that does like the previously on i don't think so you know it sounded it to me like paul f Tompkins. that sounded like his voice it does sound like paul yeah. f Tompkins, actually but I did not look to see uh, what who the credit was. But if I was to bet money, I would say it's Paul F. Tompkins. And it makes sense because he is a very fun voice actor to have. And uh, this voice cast has been phenomenal so far. Yeah, he really seems like he would fit in with the rest of the voice actors, like a Jason Manzoukas. Yeah. And, you know, all the, all those cats. Uh, he seems like he would fit in. He would fit right, right in there. So it really Yo, sounded yeah. like him. I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. Uh, but after the uh, after the banging session's over, <laughs> Alan and Telia go to grab something to eat because you know after all that work, you got you got to fill your belly. Mm -hmm. uh, so Telia is like, uh, "What's going on with the with Thetas? What do you, what did he want?" Alan's about to tell her when all of a sudden, Alan gets snatched out of his seat, thrown outside into space. And I'm like, "Oh, what the hell's going on here?" And when you freaking know it, it's the Viltrumites. It's three Viltrumites, um, you know, come to hassle Alan. They ask Alan about, so what's uh, what's all this we're hearing about? A Viltrumite left his post and his son? What, what What's up with that? Which is very interesting because not many people outside Earth know about that. So Alan's like, how did you, how did you know about that? How did you figure that out? Uh, and honestly, I, they, it's this starts as an interrogation of sorts, but really just ends up being just a execution in a way yeah. because they they ping pong Alan around a little bit, and then they just really go to town on Alan. They they just, it, you know, and we know this show, right? We know this thing can get gross and graphic, and it mm -hmm. really does. We they, we punch out 
Allen's innards. They hit him so hard. His eye comes out of his socket. His one eye, his one good eye comes out of his socket and just kind of exploded. Yeah. And they just kind of bounce him around and they chop his arm off. This was just, this was brutal, brutal. I don't like the Veltramite. They have no charisma, uniqueness, nerf, <laughs> or talent. Yeah. Um, they just beat people up in increasingly graphic ways, and it is just like not a fun sight to see. Yeah, all they um, have is audacity. That's all they have. They all all they have is the audacity, and I just uh, it's rough, especially because I love Alan so much. Like he does not deserve. Let him at least find out who the mole is first before you beat the shit out of him. Like. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so ugh, it's so I rough. was like, I was so bummed. I was like, they killed Alan. Alan's dead. But hold on now. Alan is not as yeah. dead as we thought, you know, at first. Um, because <laughs> he's he's in some type of like stasis bed, stasis chamber that's yeah. I guess keeping him alive. So we're like, oh wow, I, I was surprised. Like, oh, Alan's alive. That's awesome. We're gonna get mm-hmm. Alan back again at some point. Uh but Thetis. You know, Telly is watching over her man as he convalesces, as he's in his bed, unconscious, trying to get himself back together. Thetis comes in and says, Telly, I know that you and he were special to one another, but, uh, you know, you got to get some sleep. You got to you gotta eat something. Go ahead. I'll, I'll watch over our guy here. I'll watch over Alan. And once you know it, that some bitch, Thetis, goes over to Alan's life support system, turns it off. We yeah. see the We see the color drain from Alan, and I guess we're supposed to assume that that's the end of Alan. But who who really knows? Who who knows? I mean, in store for Alan? the Mulder brothers have been murdered like several times from now. Yeah. So I don't want to. Okay, so I have I have two questions slash comments on this. Mm-hmm. Um, I am I am praying, hoping, praying that this is not with all of the possibilities that we have on the show that this is not the end of Alan for us. Like Mm -hmm. in some way, we're going to either get him from another dimension. They're going to revive him at some point or something. I I just, I am just refusing to believe that this is the end, the absolute end of like the character Alan on invincible for us. So I'm very hopeful about that. Listen, we're dealing with multiverses this season. So, you know, we could get we could get another Alan from somewhere. Who knows? Yeah. Even with like uh even without all of that, like they have all of this technology, like they brought my immortal back several times. And like I just feel like there are other possibilities here. So I am hoping that this is not the end because I think this would be a very crappy end for a character that I really like. And it just kind of is like it's not it's not what I want for this character. Um, for sure. Yes. But then the other thing I have here, the other my other question slash comment, does this mean that that guy was the mole? Like what? Oh, yeah. What? Yes. Okay. So he what? was the mole and he just wanted to mess with Alan and tell him to find the mole that he knew. Like what was the reason? I don't know what, what was- the point of that was. But honestly, when Thetis took Alan aside to begin with, I was like, that guy don't seem right. Something about him yeah. doesn't seem right. And then, you know, when he comes, when he's like, you go on ahead, Telia, and do whatever you're going to do. It's like, uh-oh, this is <laughs> this is bad. Thetis is a bad guy. He, he's a bad dude, and he proved mm-hmm. me right by, by basically killing Alan here. And, you know, we're about halfway through the episode, inside the episode proper, and we get credits. I had to check, and like, wait a minute, how, how right. much longer is this? It was like, literally halfway a- through. I'm like, wait a minute. That feels very quick, right? Yeah. Like that felt very quick to me. Um, so I, I also did not believe it. I was cleaning. I did a deep clean of my shower yesterday, and that's what I was had. Invincible was what I had on. So mm-hmm. I'm like watching the show while I am cleaning, and then halfway through, the credits start playing. I'm like, I know I did not miss like. 20 minutes worth of content so i also had to like look on the time to see how much time we had yeah it was it was a mess yeah i definitely hit my remote was like we're only halfway through what the hell's going yeah. on yeah um so we basically got a, another half of an episode of an extra post-credit scene i guess uh because we have so we had so much more to go through uh we do check back in 
with the Guardians, of mm-hmm. course. Probably, uh, probably my least favorite subplot of the show so far, if I'm being honest, because it's just not much is going on. I need them to emphasize more of the characters than what we are getting currently. Because I, I love Rex. I love Rex right now while he's down. He has been so <laughs> funny. He is saying, like, everything I am thinking about this whole my immortal uh, duplicate situation and everything. Like, he he's just hilarious to me. Um, maybe I shouldn't say that. But, like, the, the him when he is down and out is pretty funny. Yeah, um, for sure. I... I don't like the my immortal duplicate thing is still very weird to me. I do not buy the well if you put all the ages of my uh of that was my so dumb. Of duplicate. <laughs> that is not no. That is not an excuse, okay? You can't just add ages to make one official age in there. That um, math is not mathing at all, that miss. Ma- that is not girl math. That is not boy <laughs> yeah, math. Yeah. That is not that is some other foul type of math in there and I am not I am I refute that. That's superhero um, math. <laughs> yes, exactly. Superhero math. Guardians of the globe math right there. And I don't even think it's particular. I don't think it well, will hold up. Let's be honest. Uh, it's just duplicate math. <laughs> yes. Duplicate math. Um, so absolutely not. Um, I am kind of over the Rudy monster girl storyline. Like I get, I, I just think they focus too much on it when what I have been saying the past few episodes is I want to get to know all the other guardians. Like yeah. we have, they even added in another one. Actually, they've yeah. added in two now and I don't know anything about any of them, but they insist on focusing on like these four four other characters who just kind of feels played out when we have all like in the entire other half of the guardians that we i barely remember their names at this point that's how little we know about them yeah and the storylines here in the guardians and the story some of the other storylines around invincible feel very one note and a little basic to me like you know rex and duplicates thing i'm mad you're banging in the immortal like it feels it doesn't feel special it doesn't it feels it feels normal in a way it feels yeah it doesn't feel superhero story to me so uh, when i'm in these kind of storylines i'm i'm waiting for it to be over and waiting for my more interesting story to come back basically yeah uh when i when i'm in the in the guardian storyline really it's basically like the Amazon Prime version of a, a snack break in there. So I'm like, I can hear them arguing about the same thing in the mm. kitchen while I go get a little snack. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much what takes place. Rex and Duplicate are arguing about who cheated on who. I, I, I do kind of love Rex. He's like, you know, at least I'm not a cheater. And Kate's like, actually, <laughs> yes, you are. He's like, well, I mean, I was. Well, I'm not anymore. Yes. Re- that is Rex math. Yeah, for that that is definitely Rex Math, one hundred percent. So we then get some immortal, some Monster Girl and Rudy talk. She visits him while he's kind of mapping out his brain, trying to isolate the fear that he felt that made him freeze up. He wants to really get rid of it. And Monster Girl, who I I think I'm just learning this episode's name is Amanda, <laughs> um, you know, basically tells him you actually kind of need that fear. That fear is something that will help you when you're in these situations. Uh, but you know, you do you, whatever, whatever you got, whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, that's uh, and Rudy kind of admits to her, like, listen, it's not only not only was the fear freezing me up on the battlefield, it's affecting me, you know, in my everyday life because I I wanted to ask you out, I wanted to ask you to a movie, but my fear was stopping me. So cute little Rudy asks Amanda slash Monster Girl to a movie. And she agrees to go with them, which was a nice a little fun, cute thing. I mean, it's so it's so weird that these pe- two people look like children, but are really, you know, uh, Amanda is 20 something and Rudy is 30. So yeah. it, it's, it's kind of a weird uh, thing to, to be seeing. I did want to mention because I kind of skipped over a little bit inside of the Rex and Duplicate and all them arguing. Freaking Shapesmith comes into the, the gym. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for reminding that because I yeah. love and he's like, he's like, hello, I would like to use the 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 treadmill. I would like to run in place while stationary. Yes. And then, and then for, him to, for him to go over there and just run in place on the treadmill without turning the treadmill. Yes. He looked like he looked like a glitching NPC yes. on a on a video game who's just like walking in place. That was that cracked me the hell up. My favorite. Say. And then after all of this, Rex is just like, what planet? 
are you from? Like, he's just like, oh, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. You are not from this planet. Tell us about yourself. Like, uh, yeah. it was just, a, it was a mess. It was the whole, the whole globe is a mess, but they're just like trying to hide the fact that they're a mess. And I don't get it because like we, again, we have all of these other characters that we have yet to hear like really anything about their like thoughts and feelings on there. And they keep I'm adding more. To, I'm still waiting to figure out what the hell Bulletproof does. <laughs> I yes. still don't know. Like what is, like, I think Bulletproof had like a line here. Maybe. I don't think he was even seen in the episode. I don't, I don't, was, I don't recall yeah. ever seeing him. Okay. Yeah. So like, Come on now. If we're going to be adding all of these people, like the the moment with uh Shape Smith was very funny. I will give so that. Uh, but like can we please get more of the other characters here as well? I just feel like with everything going on, the Guardians excerpt of it just feels very dry right now and mm-hmm. does not really seem to be going anywhere. Yeah. If that makes sense cuz they're just like like I want to feel like they're going towards something, whether it's they're going to be a team stronger than ever or they're going to fall apart and realize they need to do another rework of this team. But, like, can we please get somewhere with these people? Yeah, it's just, it seems to be very, like, meandering right now. Just yeah. Kind of, it's just standing just standing in place, if you will, to, to borrow from Shapesmith. Yes. Um, but honestly, the Shapesmith gag made, made the whole Guardians thing worth it in this episode for me because I, I – it was funnier than I, it should have been, but I honestly fell out when I when I saw that. It, it was, was so great. It yeah. It, for all of my annoyances with the storyline at this point, this was very funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we do check back in with uh, with Rudy and Amanda. They're going to their movie. Um, Amanda tries to kind of you know poke into Rudy, find out about his past, uh, figure out you know who he is, what what he's all about. But Rudy is not 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 about that. Like he's not. He doesn't want to open up to her. Uh, they they try to get into the movie, but the problem is the movie is rated R, and they both look like they're children. So the the uh, t- ticket taker does not want to let them in, but Amanda pays some lady to say she is her parent, and then they can go to the movie. Now, as a former movie theater worker, I can tell you that's not how that works. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You got to go in there with them. You can't just say they're good yeah. to go and they go in. So that's not that's not how that works at all. Yeah, no. As uh, someone that would sneak into movie theaters, um, Mm -hmm. I would pay, but I didn't necessarily go to the movie that I paid for. Um, Then, uh, like, is this really, like, I I, I think this worker just needs to have an excuse to not get fired, you know? Well, yeah, listen, you know, you gotta gotta do your job, but you can't, like, you know, you don't have to be that stringent and strict about it. Like, you can look the other way sometimes when when you know something doesn't smell right, but you're like, whatever. I'm not, if if I'm not gonna get in trouble for it, I'm down with it. I'm fine. Do whatever you gotta do. Yeah, exactly. But, like, also, they both look 10, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, you are very clearly not, obviously, obviously, they actually are over 18, but, like, you very clearly look like a child. Yeah. I did like Rudy challenging the MPAA ratings. He's like, now, why would it be that a, that a parent's present changes the suitability for a child to see this movie? I was Which like, is- <laughs> tell him, Rudy, tell him. <laughs> uh, Which is also very fair. Which could have also been a clue that he was well over 18. Yeah, that's for sure. Because 18-year-olds do not talk like that. Or at the very least, mature enough to see whatever movie they were seeing. Yes. Um, so yeah, they, uh, the Amanda, you know, the talk goes to what, what Rudy has experienced as, as, you know, in his life. Cause he hasn't seemed to have done to have done a lot. She's like, what else haven't you done? And we flash to a burger mart. Uh, you're, you know, AKA like a burger King ish type place, mm-hmm. fast food joint. And Rudy freaking loves fast food. I mean, welcome, welcome to being a human Rudy. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's just a universal experience. Yeah. That's everyone loves that. Everyone. It, it's, that's a thing. Um, so yeah, I mean that you know, like I said, the Guardians, aka Rudy and Amanda's story was like kind of eh, was def- definitely the slow part of this episode. Yeah, uh, I really wanted to go somewhere with it, but you know, we we got what we got here, and you know, it was what it was. It was like the one semi hopeful excerpt of this entire episode. Yes, uh, and, and so to bring the mood entirely down, let's go check in with Debbie. <laughs> uh, 
Debbie's story, you know, it, it, it continues after she drops off Mark. She's very emotional about it. She cries in her car. And, you know, she calls the number on the card that Olga gave her. Someone answers, uh, has been expecting Debbie's calls, and tells her where to go and when to meet. Uh, we see Debbie going to the community center. And like I, like I surmise, like I thought, it seems to be a support group for, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess you would kind of say like Al-Anon for superheroes. You know, yeah. the, the, uh, the, the friends and family of, of superheroes, whether you've lost them or you just have some other trauma about it. Uh, it's it's your your typical run-of-the-mill kind of support group meeting everyone's in a circle people are sharing about their story as debbie walks in we hear someone talk a little bit about um how how he's doing um he lost someone close to him uh who was a superhero and talked about how you know it's terrifying and exhausting to be without her um he misses her so much we hear that his name is theo and so you know the thing like you know i read you know i when we get the previously ons, I'm like, okay, I know what this is probably about because yeah. the previously on highlighted the green ghost. It's like, okay, yeah. I, I kind of clocked this early on. I was like, this is probably the green ghost person. Yeah, um, and that's the, that's the reason we're hearing his story, his his part of it. Uh, so Debbie meets Carol, who runs the uh, support group. She says, "Listen, there are just a couple rules here. You are very strict on anonymity, more strict than your your typical run of the mill." kind of like anonymous groups uh because a lot of sensitive information uh and the other group is just just share when you're ready um the meeting is over debbie runs into theo outside uh she's preoccupied with trying to get in contact with mark mark's not answering her back and but theo does invite her to go to this kind of dive bar with the rest of the group uh which they tend to go to and debbie does indeed take him up on it now when we get to the bar only theo is there no one else is there i don't know where these other people are I don't know if Theo was trying to try to lure her on a date or what. I don't know. I want to say no because it felt like, like maybe he was just trying to kind of like welcome her in the group because they're talking about like his dead partner and what he presumes is her mm-hmm. dead partner as well. Um, so it almost seems like they're just like trying to like open the group up a little bit or something. Like I don't know for sure, but. It, it does not end well. It ended exactly how I expected it to end well, which is yeah. even more screwed up. Yeah, For sure. Yeah, so they're they're at the dive bar. They're both commiserating about how they miss their loved ones. And Theo ends up revealing that his loved one's name is Alana and that mm-hmm. she was the green ghost. And eh, yikes, it gets awkward. Debbie, Debbie recognizes his name right off the bat. She's like, oh, shit. She excuses herself. She kind of runs out of there. Theo, of course, goes to check on Debbie. He's like, what's going on? And she tells him the truth. She says her husband was Omni-Man, and Theo is not pleased. Um, he, he basically tells her, listen, don't come back to the group. It's not a safe space with you there. And Debbie's, you know, she says, listen, I, I, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know about Omni-Man. And Theo just shoots back at her and says, you know, you really should have, though, and just walks off. And Debbie just left heartbroken and devastated. To just walk off into the night. This is why these groups are anonymous, sir. Yeah, Theo, this is your fault. Yeah, honestly, though, because, like, okay, I'm not, I totally get it that you are very sad because your partner passed in a very traumatic way. Mm-hmm. He is totally right to those feelings. Um, and he is totally right. And he's totally uh, entitled to not wanting the wife of his uh partner's murderer to also be in this group but comma like that's why they keep it anonymous so that you can't reveal who and they probably would have figured it out at some point if debbie gotten to the point where she was like comfortable sharing and everything but that's part of the reason they do this type of stuff like obviously like not for uh not you know, for superheroes anonymous here, but like Alcoholics Anonymous, like Al-Anon, Alateen, like all of those types of groups, you keep things anonymous so that you can't trace it back to certain people or like their personal information or anything like that. So it's just like a very, um, it it was clearly in violation of the rules, even though this is a clearly like very specific, uh, particular circumstance here. 
Yeah, it was a tough scene. It was a tough scene to watch because Theo is not very is not forgiving at all, which you know, don't kind of really blame him. But I think if he had stopped to really kind of hear Debbie out, he may have had some compassion for her. But yeah. he was not trying to hear it at all. And also, he has not been married to a sociopath for 20 years. So, like, why like he has no idea about like whether or not she had a reason to know about whether or not uh Omni Man was like this so like there's not it really isn't her fault and like who is gonna marry someone thinking that they could pers like possibly be a sociopath you know like no yeah. one does yeah i mean listen debbie just keeps getting kicked down further and further and further into the well of you know of emotion i was hoping that this would be kind of a turning point for her but it just seems nope. to have got made things even worse uh so that that's a, definitely a bummer her story her, her, her whole storyline is a bummer so far this season and listen debbie is my favorite character so we better have goddamn good things coming her way at some point because this is literally torture for me yeah we need to we need to give some joy to debbie sooner rather than later please yeah so no seriously seriously i am over debbie suffering like let's please give her a win somewhere I would just I would just really appreciate that. Yeah. So I mean that is that is our episode in totality. Uh Gia, uh, did you have anything else on your mind about the episode? Any 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 place you want to see any of the storylines go? What are you excited about the return of Omni Man? No, I hate that Omni Man has returned, <laughs> but I do like it made me want to watch the next episode right away. So um. I you know, I am disappointed that we got Omni-Man so soon, but it did make me want to watch the next episode, like, immediately afterwards. So, um, I'm excited to see where things are going. I'm excited to kind of see some of the outcomes of it. Um, this is similar to how I felt at the beginning of last season, where it felt like the first two episodes were kind of like a slow info dump. Now things are starting to pick up. I do have full faith that we will start to really speed up the storylines in the second half of this season. But I'm still hoping that, you know, we'll get a little more of a, a couple more answers to the questions that I have about all of these side stories. Because it does feel like they're trying to juggle a lot into like 46 minutes episodes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was for sure after that first episode of the season that Angstrom was going to be the main thrust of the season. But yes. he, was, he was totally out of this episode. Um, you know, Eve was out of this episode. So we're, we're, we're dealing with a lot. And uh, I, I'm curious to see how they wrap it all up. Yeah. I feel like every – a lot of the shows that I have watched before, once they start dealing with, like, multiple universes and stuff, things can kind of go a little off the rails – and I have faith in the show still, so I don't necessarily think that's where it's going to go. But I'm curious to see the path that we take here because I, I agree. I think after the first episode with Angstrom, I was expecting to see more of him, and we really haven't. Yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how big that story actually is because I, I thought it was going to be huge. But it, it, we, we have five episodes left of the season, so yes. and we, we seem to be – probably going to be dealing with a lot of omni-man next episode so we'll four episodes after that so Boo to this man gotta see where that leads us to um but yeah that's our episode three of season two uh gia do you want to tell everybody where they can find you what you're up to lately yes you can follow me on twitter instagram and tiktok at classically gia for all of my reality tv shenanigans um over on uh silent podcast i am doing my weekly recaps of survivor 45 on i don't know about that um we also have a very special episode coming soon of slosh survivor which is our combination of drunk history and survivor history and um even though this isn't survivor podcast please look at my other work on twitter on the survivor diversity campaign at serve diversity that's at s-u-r-v diversity and inside survivor i am doing our weekly roundups with my good friend christine palin um so please uh take a look at some of those and you know watch more invincible and 
give us five stars all the good things <laughs> all the good stuff thumbs up on youtube reviews ratings on your podcasting platforms if they have reviews and ratings we would be greatly appreciated um for as for me you can find me on twitter at jayr1085 uh, as far as podcasts go i've got a few here on Poster Recaps, I am covering, uh, just finished wrapping up Loki uh, last week. So if you uh, missed any of that, go check that out with Sasha Joseph and I. Uh, also covering the Gilded Age here on Poster Recaps with Marissa Garza. We're in the second season of that show. Um, that is a, a, a fun show. I didn't think I was going to have so much fun on, but uh, I'm having a, a blast covering it. Um, although, also on Rob Has a Podcast, the Rehap Ups Network, I'm covering uh, the show Married at First Sight with my co-host Asia Welch over on our podcast, The Perfect Match. Having fun on that show as well, so go check us out there if you can. Um, and until next week, we will see you guys later.